rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land code REFEREERANT. Episode 19, The Rant. Brian Jones. For all intents and purposes, Brian Jones is my mentor. He was the first one that saw me and told me if I took the basketball game serious, that I can go places. Today, we pull up in a basement to discuss his illustrious career as a basketball official, his community visionary work, and that what his future holds as he still officiates at the highest level possible. All that and much more. My conversation with Brian, now. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm Ralph the Ref, and I'm with my man, Brian Jones. What's up, man? Everything's good, babe. Thank cool. you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, to speak to me. Brian has been very instrumental in my growth. Uh, he says a couple of things here and there. Um, I take the meat, throw away the bones, and try to figure it out for myself. So I thank Brian from the bottom of my heart, and he told me to charge it to God. Uh, I got a running tab with him. So Exactly. Um, how did you get started with officiating? Uh, to be quite honest with you, um, I was transitioning from one person to another, like I had expressed to you before. I've been about 14 people. I'm the best person that I am today. I've ever been today. Um, I was in search. I was looking for another vehicle and vessel to get away from my past. And uh, I'd always admired uh, Kevin Hinton. I noticed that uh, we had a mutual friend, and he would wear various uniforms. He was doing umpiring softball, and then you would see him in a football uniform, and you would see him in basketball. And I didn't know uh, Kevin at the time. I didn't know him personally, but like I said, we had a mutual friend. And on occasion, we would be at different functions, and I would see him there. And one day I uh, approached him and engaged him in conversation and expressed to him uh, that I had an interest in basketball. And uh, he led me to the uh, water. Okay. And you took the class and you passed the written test and the floor test. Did you find that challenging? Uh, very much so. <laughs> I actually took the women's class first. Um, Why did you do I that? I took the women's class because they offered it right here at Southside High School where I'm employed. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I did that. Um, excuse us, it's the change in the classrooms. The, um, the, the idea of taking the women's class was because of convenience. I took the women's class here because they offered it here at the school, like I stated. But what I didn't realize, looking back in hindsight... It was um, a blessing to take the women's class first because women, by nature, or or um, they look to um, nurture people. They look to help and assist 
and not to say men don't, but women are more inclined to uh, to help you to foster and grow the person from within. And um, I met some charming and wonderful women on the uh, woman's side that uh, allowed me the opportunity to home in on my craft at the same time um, the freedom to be me. And they were very protective and um, very informative. And I attribute a lot of my success to the woman's side of basketball because, like I said, it gave me an opportunity to uh, really home in on the craft. Okay, so after you did that, was it required to take it for two years at that time, too? You had to, um, we took the written test. I'm a terrible test taker. Me and, too. Um, <laughs> I'm just uh, I failed both of them. I, nev- I didn't fail. I received an 86. I received the 86 twice, which is the minimum grade that you, but I'm a firm believer that um, taking the written test was only half the battle. The real test and testament came uh, when you had to actually apply what you know. And that was, to me, that was where I shined. Uh, because I believe I, I believe I have a PhD in people. And um, coming from the various backgrounds and dealing with multiple types of people and personalities, it gave me a chance to really home in on that. And um, the spirit of the game, it excels from there. Um, I stayed at the lower level on the women's side uh, for two years because you had to be a provisional official for two years. I did that. The third year that you could go up to the varsity, I was able to accomplish that. Um, Like I said, I had a lot of great teachers, male as well as female. Um, We're only as good and as great as... uh, the people that we've put ourselves around. And I had a number of wonderful people that I don't, I don't claim my uh, success as my own. Like I said uh, to Ralph earlier, I attribute everything to God. I give all the credit and honor to the Lord. Uh, and then I also thank the people that he put in my life. And those are uh, the individuals that made it possible for me to uh, be the person that I am today. What made you decide to do the boys uh, class? Actually, I took the... Now, you want to talk about failing. I took the boys test the same year. See, I took the women's... The year I took the women's class, um, I actually uh, took the course um, with Linda Long. I took the course. Wonderful teacher. um, Very knowledgeable. So what I did was I just paid my money on the boys' side. I didn't take the course because I figured... How how much of a difference would there be? So I attempted to walk in. I failed it by a two. Remember I told you I'm not the greatest test taker. Uh, I think at the time in the boys, I missed it by two questions. And um, that was a blessing. That was a blessing that I actually uh, failed. For those that don't know, in failure sometimes comes success. Because what happens is they only offer the course once a year. And in, the, in that interim of me having to wait a whole year, it gave me a chance to focus solely on the women's side. And it gave me a chance for the game, because the boys' game is a 
much a little faster than the than the girls and um not a better game but a faster pace and i always describe uh boys the difference between boys and girls games is the is i always use my uh, my thumb and my index finger and i put like a i look like an inch in the measure that inches the fact that the boys play above the rim and are a little more uh should i say they play through the foul they they'll run right through you um so that was the difference for me and what happened by working on the girls side for the year prior to going on to the boys then the following year I took the boys course I took the course I passed uh I made a determination in my mind that um I wanted to be the best that whatever I do I want to be the best that I could possibly be not that I want to be better than anyone else I don't think that I'm better than anyone else I think I'm okay but up for me I want to give 100% so um just like in the in the girls and like i said the girls gave me the opportunity to work on my craft the boys i did two years at the lower level third year i made it to the varsity level on the boys side which was unheard of well, not many of us got had an opportunity to do that and i took full advantage i haven't looked back since what do you think uh, attributed you to um a rise in the ascendancy so quickly you think it's because you have a PhD in people? You think you were able to hone your craft those two years in the interim and it kind of colored your view of being a more well-rounded official because you were doing different sets of games? I think my past actually um, helped me to um, excel. The whole uh, PhD in people, going back to that, it's understanding that it's not about you. It's, it's it's about the kids. When you're doing games, it has nothing to do with um, us as individuals. Uh, when I think about a coach, whether or not he or she is the kind of coach that's, uh, you know, uh, animated, um, very colorful, uh, a screamer, uh, very soft and well-spoken, uh, every, I don't care what approach a coach takes, in my opinion and estimation that the coach is always advocating for their players. They're all trying to win. Some want to win at all costs. Some want to win it by their own merit. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to be on the side of being victorious. And I understand that. And so I never took anything personal. And in my... Um, number of years of officiating, I'd only given out um, five technical fouls. Or should I say, there was only five technical fouls earned. Not that I gave them, they earned them. And, um, and I'm talking about a substantial amount of years of officiating where the technical foul for me wasn't something uh, that I was going to hold over a coach's head because they were uh, colorful or they were um, boisterous or, or they were, um, unless they were, unless it was egregious. And even then I would even attempt to, um, give them an opportunity to dial it back. Because like I said, um, 
from my past and knowing <laughs> growing up a certain way, uh, how much of a real threat or what does it really mean that someone said something to you? They're not really talking to us as individuals. They're talking to the position, the, the shirt, the referee, not the individual, not the person. They're not, it's not personal. It's, um, it's about the game. And to stay within the spirit of the game, then we tend to address it. Well, I always addressed it that way. Right, and we talked about that. I wish you gave me that advice uh, before Thursday. <laughs> Last week I had a sticky situation where I'm not going to name what coaches they were or what school they were affiliated with, but let's just say my first elementary school coach and my college roommate were opposing that day, and I was officiating both of their games. So um, I discussed with Brian that I was feeling... Uh, I, I don't know how I felt emotionally, but I, I had a personal connection with them as I grew up in my formative years with them. Uh, but I had to separate that, and I was having a difficult time at that time. Not that I was making the wrong calls. Yes. Not that I wasn't being fair. It's right. just that when they were saying things, and they were saying it in a colorful manner that I wasn't used to, they were saying it more of an adversarial tone as opposed to them being jovial and right. and, and the way I know them, a more of a personal touch. So. It, and I expressed to you that the um, to not to take it personal. They weren't really. Um, they weren't a, getting at me as the husband or the father, the, right, or the friend or the, the the former roommate or or any of that or the beer pong or the champion. Bu- exactly, it was more of the uniform, and it's a culture that we're that we're that has fostered itself. We. Um, we live in a society where certain things, um, if you see a lion uh, tracking down uh, its prey for dinner, it's not because, or well, a wildebeest or something, it's not that they're, that they're vicious or malicious or they're just this crazed animal. No, it's the cycle of life. And that's the same thing. Or you see in a coach saying something to the officials, um, at the next level, uh, coaches' jobs are attached to wins and losses. Um, at the high school level, reputation, and um, even that is probably attributed to uh, some people uh, holding on to or not holding on to a job, uh, whether or not they win or lose. So that's that's just the nature of the beast. Um, so what, I, what you just touched upon of... Um, when it comes to both sides and elevating to the next level. Um, I know we've spoke about this a lot of many times off air of that. I'm going to have to make a decision on what track I want to do, whether it be men's or women's. Um, how did you find yourself navigating going and elevating on both sides of, of the high school ranks of being both a well-respected men's official and both a well-respected women's official? And how do you navigate on what you should decide on, um, when it's time to figure out what you want to do in college, because you can't do both, you have yes. to pick one side. So I'm still in the midst of, you know, I still have a little bit more time of what I want to do, and I'm, obviously I'm going to have to make a decision at some point. But what's your best advice of, you know, elevating to doing the best, the best possible quality work on both sides, and then getting to that next level, and ultimately deciding on going to one path, women's or men's? What we have to do is we have to be honest with ourselves. That's first and foremost. And realistically, you have to add into account the fact that the um, the men's side and the women's side. I, I don't want to. I want 
I don't want to make it into a women versus men. I'm just, I want to talk about individuals. And I use this, I'll use this opportunity as a disclaimer that everything I'm speaking on has nothing to do with anyone else. This is Brian, Brian's opinion. Uh, if it fits you, so be it. If it doesn't, I understand it. I, I won't take anything against anyone else. I never was afforded the opportunity to do men's. I attempted, I tried. I was, and looking back in hindsight, I wasn't ready. I thought I knew more than I did. And that's just as honest as you you have to assess the situation and know what's best for you. And you'll know by the response and the feedback that you get from those that have that are in place to actually um, to give you that opportunity or not give you that opportunity because um, if you go to the male side or the female side and um, you get no feedback or no invitations to come back, then you you can almost they're not going to tell you no you're not ready or you're not. You're not you're not the quality or the the type of person you just, you may be a year away you can be two three years away it's it's it depends on the individual you have to know what you're willing to put up with and how far you're willing to go if you if you're determined to be a men's official then well, go for it if you think that you are uh, more of a woman's official that go for it at the end of the day you're fulfilling a dream being an official to me is being an official there is no such thing as men's and women's official we understand that there's a difference when it comes to your assignments and all that but if you can referee you can referee um we we have this um we have this thing in high school where uh, people try to associate or classify someone as one or the other. And I always found it to be ironic. And I found it to be very um, <laughs> laughable. Because one year I was number two in the boys. And I was number three in the girls. And someone, and a number of officials on the boys' side stated that the um, you do more girls officiating. You're, really? I have always saw myself as an official, and um, let it be told, I'm number two in the boys, and I'm number three in the girls. I'm just an official, and I will not allow. Even to this very day, no one will ever dictate or determine what I am. I do women's college. I'm a women's college official. I do high school boys. I do high school girls. I do soccer. I do volleyball. I'm an official. And if you put me out to do the game, I'm going to do the game. And not to be braggadocious or to toot my own horn, I think that I can handle any game that's before me. I adjust on the fly. 
I do the boys' mechanics when I'm doing the boys' game. I do the women's mechanics when I'm doing the women's game. When I see an apple, I see an apple. When I see an orange, I see an orange. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. So you touched upon you do soccer and you do volleyball. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how you got into those sports. Um, and does it? Wh- where do you rank it amongst basketball, which is both of our bread and butters? Uh, to be quite honest with you, it's real simple how I got involved in other sports. Miss Jones. <laughs> uh, Miss Jones, I attribute everything to Miss Jones. Outside of the world of basketball, I brought her into basketball where she does um, she does a fine job. She does uh, women's um, college now. She does uh, women's high school girls basketball. She does uh, boys basketball. And she does... Um, a number of outside leagues. Well, she's the one that got me involved in soccer. I have to admit, um, she was the uh, she was the cog in the wheel. She was the antithesis and the she's the spear, the tip of the spear. Uh, she got uh, she got me involved. She started thinking about long term and future, with our kids being up in age and us having something to talk about and to do around the coffee table. Or should I say the water table, because I only drink water. But uh, anyway, um, she got involved first, and I came on board. And as far as the um, the love or the passion for other sports, basketball is my number one love, bar none. I, anybody that knows me knows how much I appreciate and love. I feel like as though I'm, I'm back on the court, I'm still involved in the activity. Soccer is a brand new um, world for me, but I do quite well at it, um, to be quite honest, because of the spirit of the game. Um, I, like I said, everything I do, I attribute to the most high. But when I approach it, any game or any sport, my thing is to put, your, to put myself, make myself secondary and to put the kids first, uh, understanding that this means the world to them. Uh, whether or not they uh, score a goal, or whether or not they score another type of goal, whether or not they um, uh, score a point, or whatever the case may be in volleyball or whatever, or basketball or, or soccer, they, we, we are there just to help move their future along. That's it. So um, I enjoy. I, I'm starting to love volley. I'm um, not volleyball. <laughs> I'm starting to love uh, soccer. Um, soccer. I didn't. I never thought I would love soccer. I started off the uh, first year I was on uh, volley um, soccer. I did um, the junior high, and the kids were the cutest thing ever. Wow! Look at these kids. They're out here. They're giving a hundred percent. They're running up and down. That's nice. I told. Um, our signers and everyone that, uh, and the people on, on staff that I only wanted to do the young kids. I didn't want to go any further because, like I said, I didn't, I'd never done soccer. And they said, "No, I don't think you're going to be able to stay here. You're going to have to um, go up your ratings. You have to go to the next level." So I said, "Okay." Someone's um, Dave Poli spoke to me. I said, "Okay, I'll go." The next thing you know, they gave me. Um, a varsity game <laughs> and a JV game. I said I never want to do junior high level again. 
You know, the kids are cute, but guess what? <coughs> These kids up here, they can actually play. Oh, yeah. It's a different game at the varsity level. And um, to be quite honest, I do well. I do very well. I know I know a lot of it is contributed to the fact of name recognition and the um and people seeing you on the basketball court and knowing that you have done well in those areas that it lends itself to um it happening on the soccer field. But I don't take it for granted. Um there are a number of officials, basketball as well as soccer and volleyball that are much better than myself, much better, um, hands down. But one thing you can never take from me is the fact that I'm not going to give 100%. Do you think that, um, so I have a similar situation with baseball, and I kind of got into it by accident, same thing, and I was just doing lower-level games, but then I got a taste of varsity, and I want to stay there, so much so that... You know, I want to do it in college. I want to do college baseball, even though, you know, I just figured out recently that it doesn't conflict with my trajectory in basketball. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that you can be so good at basketball. You can study the rules. You can get all the games you want. But I think the next next cheat code level is when you do other sports. You know why? Because you can't you can't manufacture the patient whistle that an offside provides in soccer. Right. Right. You can't. You can't, you can't get the the outdoor to- atmosphere. Totally different approach from soccer versus basketball. Right, but um, what, what you have to do is you have to pull your brain to officiate a different game. You have to go in reverse. Right. Yeah, because soccer, to me, like, you know, and, and I'll be brief, I promise, but soccer was like, Wow. You see someone go down instinctively as a basketball official, safety and, um, you know, contact. We automatically put air in the whistle. Soccer, advantage, play on. These different, you have to really train your mind. And like you stated, you have to really have a patient whistle. And this is this is something that just doesn't come overnight. This is something that you really have to work at your craft. And that's that's the thing of trying to become a consonant professional when it comes to athletics. You have to really work at your craft. And um the the benefit of um the collegiate side is that we're constantly in our books. You, it's mandatory. You have to, you have to become a student and a steward of the game. Why? Because you have to go to clin- you have to go to these classes and these clinics. You, it's mandatory that you take watch these videos. That you have to take the quizzes. You have. It's not. It's not if you want to. You have to in order to be competitive and to stay at that level. You. It's. It's not enough to be a good official or a great official because they're a dime a dozen. The thing that separates the the officials at the next level is the ones that actually work at their craft. The small, minutest details, that is what's going to separate you. 
not your name. It's your ability to be able to adjust to the situation that is before you. One of the things that uh, really resonated towards me gravitating to you as a mentor was that very thing when you told me what separates a good official from a great official and it's paying great attention to detail yes. and looking at those small things that are going to separate you from being a good official to a great official. So having said that, um, what, how did you get your, your feel of identifying and then uh, being able to nurture certain people to mentor? Because I feel as though some people aren't ready for that. How do you identify the people that are ready for that and are willing to listen? Um, how do you know? One of the things I do, it's so funny you just uh, segued into that because this past weekend I just had a game and I worked with a, uh, I had a woman's game, a uh, high school girls game. And I worked with a official that stated that she was officiating for five years and that this was her first year up at varsity. And you can tell um, that she had a desire to be the, the best that she could possibly be. She was very attentive to um, anything that I said. And um, a tribute to her, like uh, I really mean this, uh, kudos to her when it comes to, she stayed after the game and we um, chopped it up. We bumped gums on uh, various situations. But prior to that, in the actual, con during the contest, during a timeout, when we would conference for a second here or there, I would I would bring something to her attention, and she would she wouldn't question it. She would she would say okay, and then she would adjust on the fly. So I was like, wow. I even said to her, I said, wow, you know, she you have to find your voice. I told her that you have to find your voice. And you have to find that happy medium where you can be comfortable at being you. But this is what's going to, and you're not trying to overshadow your partners, but this is what's going to separate you from the other officials. And she did a couple of things on the fly. So I said, my goodness. So that's, um, I said, that's great. And um, repositioning herself to see the play develop, see, watch it from beginning to end, develop, uh, from conception to the conclusion, to the end. And um, I also told her to reposition herself to see between the players to make a, the best determination and assessment of uh, what, she's, what she just witnessed. And um, because on one particular play, if you can only see the numbers, the number and the name on the back of the jersey, more than likely you're, you're guessing on what's happening in front. And without saying that to her or telling her that I didn't believe or I didn't see it the way that she saw it, because you don't do that to people. You don't want to bruise anyone or discourage anyone. I said I expressed to her to reposition herself to where she can see between the play. And um, she did that because in the third quarter, there was a great block from behind. Boom, hand right on the top. No hand in the back, nothing. Just hand on the top of the ball and rip the ball backwards. Her hand went halfway up. 
But she reassessed and reevaluated. And she, it was a no call. She didn't blow the whistle. She didn't put air in the whistle. And I said to her after the game, I said, wow, that is phenomenal. You actually, you got it. You had an opportunity to see it all the way through. And then she kicked herself anyway. She said, yeah, I know. See, I thought about what you said, but the idea is I put my hand halfway up. I expressed to her, no, it has nothing to do with putting your hand halfway up. The idea is that you didn't put it up for a foul. And having self-control and self-discipline not to put it up halfway at all will come in time. And that was the beauty of working with new. And when you, you'll be able to determine and, and know when someone's approachable. And what I always do is I always preface it by us stating to individuals, listen, I got some things I'd like to say. But I'll only say them if you want me to, if you don't, if you allow me to. If you don't want to hear them, then I'll move on. And that happens often too, right? Yeah, we have that happen on the current. Or you can even tell in someone's body language. So, like I said, if the person is already grabbing their jacket or their or their bag and they're heading for the exit, that means that they felt they did a. They either got something else to do. They felt they did a decent job, or maybe just I got I gotta go. Whatever. It does, it's not personal. Like I said, I don't take anything personal. And if they move on, God bless you and keep it moving. And one of the things, last, if you don't mind me saying... Of course not. This is uh, unlimited time. All right. One of the things that um, we as officials need to take into account is the fact that there are a number of officials that officiate for... People officiate for various reasons. Some just do it for exercise. Some have no dreams of grandeur going off to the next level. Some people are very content and happy with freshman ball. Some people are happy and content with JV. Some people want to some people want to do varsity or they're good with just doing varsity. And then there's some people that have like yourself and others that a dream of going on to bigger and better things. And and that's nice too. But success shouldn't be determined or associated with the level that you do. Because success, I'm very successful. I'm rich. I'm rich in the two places that it means the most. I'm rich in my heart, and I'm rich in my head. And, and when people look or they say something, I always tell them, you got to know where I came from to know whether or not I'm successful. And where I came from, I'm successful. I'm very successful. I'm filthy, filthy rich. Not monetarily, but I'm rich with life. Yeah, and I definitely think that officiating has been an enriched situation for me, and it's even been more enhanced by meeting somebody like yourself. Appreciate that. Um, What was the most stickiest situation you've ever had on a basketball court, or any experience that was... Super sticky that sticks out in your mind. Oh man, there's so many. It's, uh, they're countless. But um, uh, this this will have to do without. It's not organized ball. It's a um, uh, men's leagues. Um, you you want to really know um, 
the depth of your ability and how well you can officiate. And where, uh, just to give you an example, we were talking about the other day, me and another official, and this may um, come as a surprise to many, but anyone that has ever done a men's league or worked outside leagues where it's not a controlled environment will understand and appreciate what I'm about to go into. So uh, just take it into account that you got to remember when you're, we're very fortunate in a um, a select group when we do high school games and uh, collegiate games or or um, even some of these AAU tournaments and even which we know in recent years uh, sometimes they even get out of hand. But um, for the most part, this stuff is therapeutic for someone like me. Um, this is basketball has always been my release, but. People has always been my number one. I'm a community visionary, and I believe in um, knowing what or believing. I believe that I know what we need as a whole, as a community, to to forge ahead, to to move forward. And when um, you talk about doing a men's league, and you talk about what's the most difficult thing or time, I remember doing a game over in uh, Queens. And uh, for a fellow official, they were assigning. And um, I'll just say this much. I was the uh, monkey in the middle. There were two left rack teams playing each other. And the official, the uh, other official was from left rack. You know that put me in a very vicarious... Uh, you're from no frack. I'm from no frack. And you're I'm, trying to fix the frack from everyone. Yeah, and... Um, you want to talk about earning your keep, and um, I won't go into specifics, but that was a real test, because if you're not built for confrontation, if you're not built for, you know, um, uh, knowing how to manage and um, maneuver around in shark-infested waters down on the deep end, you need not apply. You need not go in. Because it can swallow you up and change your whole perception of the game of basketball. And um, I'll just tell you, it got very sticky. And um, I handled myself because of um, the way that I was brought up. And the um, and even, even knowing that there was the potential of physical and bodily harm to myself... I continued anyway and went through it, and I was glad I did because it made the other games that much easier because you know what your worth is once you've been out there and you're in the wilderness amongst the, um, and like my buddy tells me, uh, like my buddy in the Bronx, Martin, um, I speak, I, I'm like Dr. Doolittle. I speak hippopotamus giraffe, lion, tiger, and bear. And um, and I thank God for that. And like I said, I give all the credit to the Most High and gave you the, gave me the opportunity to be able to um, adjust to the environment that we're in. You know what I mean? We just skipped this because uh, Martin called. Yeah, uh, my, my partner, he actually called. He's one of the, um, um, I told him he should have been an imam, um, our pass is what it is. I associate myself with all types of people. I don't pass judgment. Um, 
God will judge at the end of the day on Judgment Day. Uh, you name it, I know them. And I'll leave it at that. All right? Um, I, don't dis- I don't distance myself from people because of, um, of their past or their present or their future. The idea is, um, do, I, do I condone? No. Do I side with? No. Do I address? Yes. If you know me, then you know I'm, I'm pretty much a straight shooter. I don't give the watered-down version of a soft drink. You take it straight from me, that's it. And that's not to say because I'm trying to be braggadocious, con- uh, cocky, arrogant, rude, obnoxious, nasty, and none of that. I'm confident in who I am. And um, I'm very set in my ways because I think I've earned that right um, over the course of time. And sometimes people um, misconstrue exactly what the message that you're trying to convey. That's, that's not my intent. My intent is always to... I'm big on respect. I want... Um, I will always respect you, whether or not you respect you or not. Um, I try to always afford and give everybody an opportunity to be themselves. Um, with that being said, that's what shapes me as an official. Um, that's what shapes me as the father, the husband, the man that I am. Uh, the friend. If I'm a friend, I'm a friend. If I'm an enemy, I'm an enemy. I don't pretend to be something that I'm not. You don't have to worry about me talking out of both sides of my mouth. Uh, if I said something about anyone, then more than likely I've said it to the person first. And if I didn't, and you hear me say something, you can go back and tell the person whatever I said. Because um, I'm the kind of person that will own whatever I say. And it is what it is, and that's no Neanderthal. And that's, I don't want to get off topic. I just, I'm just shaping and showing you the complete person. Um, uh, I think that we... We best serve our community as officials and everyone when we uh, help to pay it forward. I got so many people that I could thank. I got people that probably wouldn't even realize that I look at them with adoring eyes. And um, you can even learn from people that did not do right by you. You learn what not to do. To others, because you know how it made you feel. I have a lot of people that were in my corner that, um, when it comes to officiating, that um, have um, said and done wonderful things, talked me off the ledge, uh, showed me uh, or given me the tools necessary to uh, go out into battle. Um, Working in the Pro-Am It was only two of us Me and Gilberto McFarlane We went over to the Pro-Am And we came up with um, All the guys over there Terry and uh, Chris And and Tom And God bless Cecil Watkins And the whole team of uh, Great officials from out of New York City And and Alfonso And you, you name it And there's just so many of them That was there And we came up under that regiment and um, it shaped us and it prepared us because when people were talking about um, Long Island basketball, me and Gilberto were already doing um, 
the Paul Robesons, the Christ the Kings, the the boys and girls. We were doing those games on a weekly basis on the weekends, and we even had to um, the pro am, the pro am over in um, Corona. We had to um, we had to do more than just officiate. We had to. They checked our uniforms. <laughs> you had to sit in class. They paid you minimum, like a regular CYO game at the time, I think was $30 or whatever. They paid you $25, $30. But you had to remain there for the entire day. They didn't, if you came in strictly just to make money, you, you were not invited. You were kindly shown the door. Thank you very much. But no, thank you. They wanted to know, make sure your pants were tapered properly. Your shoes were shined. Your, your shirt was pressed. Your whistle was sharp and pristine. And just, or the whole, they ran the gamut. And that's the beauty of the um, officiating that we came up under. And then working out here, I'd be remiss if I don't mention um, Bob Powell, who was my mentor. Um, I met a gentleman by the name of Bob Powell um, in my first class. Uh, he was already an official. And I've grown to love him and call him my pop. I call him dad. I call him pop. And um, he has his own family. I was a grown man when he met me. Um, he looked like David Dinkins, and he was in the class. And I said to him, um, excuse me, sir, has anybody ever told you you resemble David Dinkins, the former mayor of New York City? And he said, son, I was about, I was going to help you. <laughs> but because you said that, you're on your own. Uh, to make a long story short, all these years later, we are friends to this very day. I appreciate um, uh, Sue Raffer, Margaret Jackson, Dusty Buckley, Kevin Hinton, Reggie Strong, uh, um, just just countless names, Jerry Logadies. There's just countless officials. They and I mean, people help me, and they don't even sometimes realize how much and how instrumental they were in my development. The names that escape me. So I, that's that's the thing about mentioning names. When you do, you can insult others. That uh, Don Landolfi, that um, Jimmy Green. Um, I'm telling you, the names are countless of officials that that really helped me to shape and make me into the official and the man that I am. And um, I've actually uh, witnessed, um, I'm a pirate. I'm, uh, I'm definitely a pirate. I'm a thief. Uh, I'm definitely looking for uh, hidden treasures. If I saw other officials that you um, witnessed or watched on TV, you would emulate, you would take what you felt comfortable with, you would take from them and you would adopt it into your style or brand of officiating. That, that, that is the beauty of officiating is to find others that um, you can identify with, that you can say, whoa, you know, I like how they handled that. The Teddy Valentines of the world from Teddy back in the days, even article in the New York Times I remember reading 100 years ago. And he's still officiating to this very day at the highest level. The, um, the Billy Saws of the world that became a friend of mine. If you don't mind me telling you a funny story. I don't mind at all. All right. Uh, Another thing about, and I'm going to segue into something different. You got to be very careful of um, 
you know the old saying that the reference world is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us take that for granted, not realizing that that is true. The um, I, I was on a court. I was my hair was getting thin before I uh, shaved everything and went um, completely uh, uh, natural. <laughs> the um, I was at uh, Holy Name of Mary over in Valley Stream. And um, while I was on the court, I had on this, which would be considered like almost a kufi. And uh, there was a gentleman in the corner. And you never know who's watching. And I, w- I was going up and down the court. And at the time, I was running like a gazelle, back and forth, fast, quick. Gentleman says to me, and in my opinion, I thought I was going like a gazelle. So I know some people are going to say you're probably running like a, a buffalo or something. I don't know. But anyway, the uh, gentleman in the corner says, Hey, kid! Says, Excuse me, sir, you talking to me? Yeah, you, kid! Hey, kid! Yes, sir. I told you I'm big on respect. Yes, sir. Where you from? What board you from? Okay. Excuse me? Going down the court, I go back. On the way back down, he's persistent. He was like, hey, kid, what board you from? I said, board 41, sir, and 40. You're from 41? Really? I detected a little something in his voice when he said that. He said, you're from 41? Really? I said, okay. I don't know. I don't know this gentleman. He said, um. When we start wearing hats. <laughs> he said, when we start wearing hats. Hmm. I didn't say anything because I didn't know how to take that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell him that I was transitioning with my going all natural. So I proceed to go down the court. I don't tell him. I don't have no more uh, conversation with him. I leave the gym. I get a phone call from Florida. True story. I get a phone call from Florida. Jimmy Green? Jimmy Green, my godfather. The godfather's on the phone. Because I called Jimmy the godfather and Don Landolfi is the consulary. True story. Get in the car. Brian? Godfather? Yeah, hey, Brian. Were you just over at Holy Name of Nary and Valley Stream? Yeah. Brian? What did you have on? Did you have on a hat? Jimmy Green does no no know nothing about Koofies. So I, he said, did you have on a hat? I told us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I had on this. Yeah, yeah. Don't wear that no more. I said, okay. True story. Me and Billy saw him and his lovely wife. I became my guy. Every time my, people thought, when they saw me at the dinners, they thought I was brown nosing. People think that it's brown nosing when you actually um, formulate relationships with people. When it comes to someone like me, if I'm around you, it's genuine. If I'm not around you, it's genuine. <laughs> if you can read between the lines. Mm-hmm. If I'm around you, it's because I really have an affection for you. Me and me and uh, Billy Saw became friends. That 
that conversation about the hat led us to have more dialogue, more communications. He expressed to me who he was, former NBA player, I mean official, and we laugh to this very day about that story. That's the beauty of officiating. I got other stories that I won't go into because I don't want to take up any of your time. Um, but uh, Lee Jones, um, Ronnie, Ronnie Nunn, they're all the, that's, that's real, you know? Um, so one thing I did want to ask you, and I don't know if this is a personal question, but there's something that, um, if there's if there's one attribute that I would say that you and I can definitely relate to is that our personality is larger than life and that transcends outside of basketball, it transcends at any sport, and it's you know something that's jovial, gregarious, okay. something that you can relate. You're a man of the people. You mm-hmm. could speak to somebody from the president all the way to a uh, panhandler on the streets of New York City. Um, but some officials... Uh, they're not afforded that same it factor when they're on the court. Right. And I know sometimes it holds them back. <clears throat> I know one of my uh, contemporaries <clears throat> have one of this problem where he's great on the mechanics, he's great on his rule knowledge, but he doesn't have that same it factor. Yes. And you know, I'm trying to give him advice of saying that you have to show that you have the command and presence because somebody like me and you, whether we want to do it or not, we're going to swallow them up on the court. Right. You know, and, you know, I, I, I give it to him with a grain of salt and I tell him you could take it for how it is. I don't think it's a knock on you as a person. You know, I don't think it's a knock on your ability, but I just know you can only go so far if you're just flatline. Yes. What kind of advice can you give somebody like that? Be, when- be yourself. The idea is, um, um, like I said earlier in the interview, is that... If if you're not that type of person that's engaging or, or outgoing or whatever, um, it's not going to happen for you overnight. And sometimes you wind up with Arjuna. You you're uncomfortable, and even the mere thought of even stepping out of your comfort zone sometimes is enough to send you over the top. But one of the ways to address um, um, and to formulate a better rapport and relationship with coaches, players, or whatever, is to be yourself, but at the same breath, when you're addressing coaches, a lot of people tend to have a problem with addressing coaches. Well, you have to take yourself out of the equation. You're not really addressing the coach from the standpoint of something that pertains to you. Or we, We're not talking about it's a sunny day or... Um, uh, those are great shoes you're wearing, coach. That's a nice shirt and tie you got on and matches your suit. Lovely, you know what I'm saying? Or a female coach or whatever. No. Majority of the times, the interaction between uh, player, coaches and referees, or even players and referees, or players and coaches, is something that pertains to the contest at hand. So if it, if you have a situation in the game that requires you to convey a thought, an idea to the coach, then give them specifics. That's it. Tell them what you saw. Tell them that and leave it at that. Don't ad-lib. And and another thing that I'm learning from um, 
the collegiate level is there is a there's techniques used and and approaches and the best way to approach situations you're not you're not adversarial you don't want to become adversarial with the coaches what you want to do is you let the coach express themselves and say whatever they need to say and then you express to them exactly what you saw and in and in doing so you can also express to them coach first and foremost I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to tell you what I saw first, and then you can say whatever you want. But this is what I saw, and I'm not. And or you let them go first, and you do it in a way that's humbling. It, it, you don't have to be subservient, but you can be humbling. It just a gesture. If you come over with your hands raised and out towards the coach, it can be perceived as hostile. If you turn your palms, if you turn your hands over like a palm. You, you, like you're coming over and you're more understanding. Okay, coach, listen, I'm here. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to let you say what you want. And then I'm going to ask that you allow me the same opportunity to give you my thoughts and idea. Coach, this is what I saw. I saw X, Y, Z. And the coach says, no, but I saw. Th-. Coach, I'm not disagreeing with you. But I'm only telling you what I saw. And we can agree to disagree. And you move on from there. That's communication is key. It's paramount. Communication is what's going to um, give you that it factor. Learning the techniques and the mannerisms and the way to approach or to resolve or to adjudicate a certain particular play because your level of credibility goes up. Your stock goes up when you come to the table with knowledge that rule book is your friend that case book is your friend that that all these books and all these terms and knowing not to not to embellish and add your own flair use the use the guidelines that are presented to us and given to us stay within the confines of the rules you can't go wrong with the rules that the coaches or the players may disagree, but if you adjudicate it according to what we're, we're instructed to do, it gives you a better and fighting chance. And the it factor that you referred to will lend itself and show and shine through. That's great advice. And I, I definitely think that if you are authentic with yourself, um, you're not trying to posture and be somebody that you're not. Right. And I think if you know the game in its totality and you can explain that in layman's terms, especially in relation to communicating with the coach, I think at some point they will respect you as much as yes. as, as you respect them. Um, I have two final questions. Uh, what did it take to get to where you uh, got? And what's it going to take to get to where you want to go? Um, a lot of... Um, huh. <laughs> A lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, time, effort. and You know, I, I hope um, no one gets insulted or offended, but when we first started, when I started a number of years ago, um, we had to work at our craft. We had to invest. And what I mean by investment, I mean um, getting an opportunity to see multiple plays. Multiple plays meant multiple games. And we didn't do it for the money. Well, I know I didn't. I can only speak for me. 
And like I said, I use the disclaimer. I use this opportunity as a disclaimer. The things that I'm speaking on is only for me. This is what the way I see it. I'm not saying that someone else is going to work or apply to someone else. But the idea is when I first got involved, I was willing to, I told my brother, which has nothing to do with officiating. He does no officiating whatsoever. I don't have no interest or nothing, no idea. I told him I wanted to be wired up. He said, what? I said, I want to be wired up for this reference circuit. And he laughed. And he said, what, is it, what do you mean? I said, I want to be a six-gun su- shooter. I want to be a slinger. I want to be a six-gun slinger. I'm going into town like a, a gunfighter. I want to be on all the big games. I want to do all the games. Well, lo and behold, I was over in Roosevelt one day. I was with Kevin Hinton. And um, the young lady had one of the best teams in the tournament that they had. They were running a league down in Roosevelt, at Roosevelt Park. And she said to me, um, she said, first she looked at Kevin. She said, Kevin, you can ref our games, but we don't want him. He's horrible. (laughs) He is horrible. Horrible. This when you first started? Yeah. Okay. He is horrible. Were you horrible? Horrible. Okay. I well. said to I said to her, true story. I said to her, um, young lady, you're right. I am. I'm horrible. I just started. This is my first year. I said, um, but the only way for me to get better is by doing games. And to show you that I'm and it's a true story. To show you that I'm willing to get better. I'm going to prove it to you because you know what I'm going to do? She said, what's that? I said, I'm going to do your games for free. I said, you know the money that y'all pay us? You pay Kevin and whatever other referee comes to do your game? She said, yes. I said, you can keep it. Spend it on your kids. I don't care. Just let me do your games. I did like 300 games. I did like over 300 games back and forth for a little or nothing or nothing. Because I wanted to work up my craft. And this is for those that are aspiring to be officials and to be the best that they can possibly be. Don't put a dollar amount on your experiences. Get the experience first. Work it and home in on your craft. And once you do that, you won't have to call anyone. Your phone will not stop ringing. And years later, I've been to the mountaintop a few times and looked over. And I know for a fact I've done some of the big games. And that's not to toot my own horn. That's because I made good on my promise to myself that I was going to. And I still, to this very day, I work at my craft. I'm still learning after all these years. I'm still in my books. Do I get it wrong sometimes? Of course. Name an official that's done a perfect game. And that official that did a perfect game, they need to retire that day. Put that down in the record books that you had a perfect game and never look back. Take your whistle and hang it up and never come back on the court ever again because that feat will never probably ever happen again. That is what I would give to people. Work at your craft. Put forth the effort and the energy. Be honest with yourself. 
allow others to be honest with you. Don't drown out sound advice because you only want to hear the positive things. I just I just received information on a um at the collegiate level some an evaluator came and they expressed um some things to me. And you know what? Sometimes we don't want to hear it, but if you're worth your salt, you'll take into consideration what they're saying. And lo and behold, exactly what that person was saying to me was truly happening. Because I witnessed it for myself. I heard myself do it. I said, thank you. And now I'm in the process of cleaning even that verbiage up mm. and working on that. Mm. And I'm sorry, I forgot your second question. And we'll... Well, I, the other, that's only one question, but the, the other portion of that question is what's it going to take to get to go where you want to go? Um, you got to remember um, where you want to go and where you and where you will wind up landing is two different things. You fully understand that, right? Right, but some, somebody like me and you, I think we, we can relate is that, you know, even if I did the NBA, even if I was the top FIBA international official, I would still want more, even yes. if there is no more. Right, but but the reality is, um, for the number of, for the number of officials that are out here in the listening world, they have to come to the the reality is that. The things that are in your control, then you control them. The things that are out of your control, so be that. So be it. Because you can you can aspire to be wherever you think you want to be or think you should be, and you never ascertain it. You never reach it. Because have you ever, have you ever been to a job or worked for someone and you said, how in the world is that person my boss? And may it be nepotism, may it be um, fraternizing. Someone was in the was in the same sorority, fraternity, whatever, or or, or um, their family friends, or whatever the case may be. And um, you never got a good look because somebody else was looking at someone else. That has no bearing on you, but that's just a part of. We we have to work as hard as we possibly can work. And just when the opportunity, if the opportunity presents itself, just be prepared. And like people always say, it's better to go a year later than a year too soon or too early. Because if you go and you're not prepared and you're not ready, then you may never get an opportunity or that shot again. So worry about worry about being the best and just keep preparing yourself for the possibility the possibility of what if. Mm. Okay, so you've had such a long, illustrious officiating career. Tell me what is your biggest accomplishment or one of the biggest and best memories that you've had officiating, let's say, basketball, because I know that's your thing. Um, What's your most um, best moment that you're most I'm, proud of? I'm proud of the fact that... Um, I'm a state official on the women's side multiple times. I've accomplished that. 
I, I set the bar for myself. I wanted to, there's certain, the bucket list of things that you, I think, to be quite honest with you, I had an opportunity a number of years ago to go over into the women's side at the Division Two, with a promise of doing Division One the following year, a number of years ago, which I won't put years on myself, but I'm telling you, it's a number of years ago. And, um, and I had that contract in my hand and I turned them down. And I look back years later and I say, wow, what could have been? And I still have that desire and that passion. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go across the floor doing D1. I wanna be on that floor just to say what it felt like or what it feels like. I'm honest, like I said, I'm brutally honest. I don't, um, I'm not gonna embellish, I'm just gonna keep it. You speak it and you want it, you tell it, you don't, you don't have to hide it. Um, I also said that I wanted to um, do Federation. I wanted to do the Federation. And I did the Federation. And I did that multiple times. So as far as a high school career, and I, I don't want to make it about me. Give, tri, charge it to God. And then on the boys' side, I made, um, I did states, which was a great experience. Great. I love the boys' game. I love the women's game. I just love officiating. And I think that um, many of us we take for granted um, what this what this thing has provided for many of us the relationships that we have we've had and, and grown the um, the camaraderie the emotion that's attached to it the identities all these things come into play and to me um, officiating has uh, really shaped and inspired me and made me a really good person. I'm already on the grand stage in life with community because anybody that knows me knows my community and community stuff is very important to me as well. So I already have the grand stage. Been there, done that. Um, that's where I find a lot of my joy too is when, when I do community stuff because everybody thinks and associates refereeing but community um, and building and bridging the gap between community versus other communities is very important to me. Uh, shaping the lives. I got 10,000 nieces, 10,000 nephews. Shaping the lives of others is important. Um, aff affording others opportunities is important to me. Um, the development and growth and empowerment of individuals is important to me. Um, God is the most important thing to me, then my family, then my friends, and then all the other stuff is fillers. And I think, um, and I don't think I know for a fact that God has given me a beautiful life. And I'm blessed. And I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> Well, Brian, I appreciate your time, man. Um, you have been such an inspiration for myself. Um, I'll just say that your words uh, just personally have really inspired me to be the best that I can be. So hopefully I can uh, pay it forward to other officials that are after me. Appreciate are, that. You know, that are, that are in the circuit as well. 
So I appreciate your time, man. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. Until we meet on the court again, this is Ralph with Brian Jones signing out.